Welcome to the Sugar Coated Dreams podcast. Do you ever catch yourself daydreaming about running your own baking business? Brace yourself for a fun ride as I share inspiring stories of dreamers just like you turned doers. The podcast that takes you on a mouth-watering journey into the world of baking and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Lauren the Cheerful Baker, and let's get started. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. And we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Kirsten, and she is the owner and the artist behind Nora's Macarons. I have so many questions to ask you, Kirsten, even though I know most of the answers because we've known each other a long time. um, I'm super excited for everybody else to hear your story. So let's talk a little bit about how your journey started into the world of macaron baking. Macaron baking. How did my journey start? Well, my journey started actually in 2016, 2015. Um, I have three kids and my oldest is my daughter, Nora. And as she was getting older, I was trying to... um, really be like a good mom. Like I had dove into the role of mom and that was really important to me. And as my kids were getting older, connecting with them was something that I didn't have with my own mom. And so I was trying to figure out how to do that with my kids. And baking cookies was something Nora loved to do. And Nora actually, we went to Disneyland and she wanted to learn how to make, and we got macarons for the first time. And I think she, we gave our kids like a certain amount of spending money when we got to Disney. And then she bought her macaron and it used like all her money, but they were big and beautiful. And she was so sad about it, but it was delicious. Anyways, she came back and was like, I think I could make these at home. They're so expensive at Disneyland. Let's go home and make them. And I was like, girl, we got this. We can totally do it. (laughs) And I didn't realize at the time that macarons are like the hardest cookie that people have said they'll never try to make because they're so daunting and hard. I just thought like, you just follow a recipe. How hard could it be? Right. So Nora and I began the journey of macarons in that kind of way. Me just looking for a way to connect with my daughter, giving her kind of an experience that she was looking for. So her and I just kind of dove into a macaron business. Once we learned how to make them, I was like, we have spent so much time and money on learning how to make these we should probably sell them. And so her third grade, was she in third grade or fourth grade? Fourth grade, like the summer between third and fourth grade, we put together like a little business plan on what we had to do. We had to get our cottage license. We had to get a booth at the farmer's market. We had to do all those things. We bought a tent and we just started like once a month, her and I would set up on a Saturday at a farmer's market and we would crank out some macarons. And it was just a fun mother-daughter bonding thing for about three years. And as Nora got older, um, she's actually a classically trained ballerina as well. And those rehearsals and practices got it more intense. And she said, Mom, I think it's really time for me to walk away from macarons so that I can start building my ballet career. And I said, okay, go. (laughs) I'm going to take it because I love it. 
I felt like there was a real need for macarons. I see a lot of different cookies and baked goods and things like that. And macarons were ones that I didn't see very often. So I felt like there was a need for that. Um, I also felt like we had developed our skills so much that I didn't want to walk away from it. And when you don't have a kid attached to you, you can do a lot more in business. So yes, <laughs> her going to do her thing, me going to do my thing, but always be inspired by Nora is what the business is about. So that's kind of how it started, I guess. <laughs> you know what's so funny, Kirsten, when you said, I just, I didn't realize macarons were hard. I just thought you could follow a recipe. And I think that probably helped you, honestly, because I'm a painter. I don't know if you even knew that. But I, I, did. I, I, I had that. never, I had never painted in watercolor. And apparently watercolor is the most difficult medium, but I didn't know that. I thought it was easy because I didn't have all these misconceptions about how difficult it was going to be. And I think a lot of times when people think of macarons, they're like, I don't want to try that. I don't want to try that. That's going to be too difficult. So that might have helped you a little bit, don't you I think? I say cookie decorators are the worst because they're like, no, I'm good. I got this. No, they're either like, no, I don't want to touch macarons because they're too hard or they're the opposite. And they're like, oh, I can make macarons. Those are easy. Let's go. So, so, so what, what I know you bought macarons in Disney world, but is that why you thought, well, let's just make these because she really liked them. Nora really liked them. Yeah, no, she, it was her idea to go home and make them. Oh, yes. it was. Okay. It was like $8 for a macaron, $8. And this girl knew exactly how much money she had, what things costed, all that. So when she was like, $8, I could sell this at home. Like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. So that's kind of how it started. So one thing you had mentioned, Kirsten, was that it was really, that motherhood is really important to you. And, um, I know that just from knowing you and we've got to tell people about your little, your little son and his butterfly kisses, because that's oh, just Miles. the sweetest thing in the world. <laughs> Miles. Well, I think we'll get a little bit more into it, but when I was um, kind of around the same time when I was talking about like dealing with Nora and connecting with my kids, um, I was looking for individual ways to connect with my kids in each way. And my youngest one would give me diamond kisses and he would kiss my forehead, diamond my kisses. cheeks, That's right. diamond my chin kisses. and my nose. And he would call those my diamond kisses. And it got to a point where I was going through some healing and I needed tools in my healing belt to get through the day. And those diamond kisses were so precious to me that I would literally ask for them and then just remember that moment throughout the day. So every day before he would get out of the school, get out of the car to go to school, give me your diamond, let me give you diamond kisses. And then it's just such a sweet, he's 12 now and he's still doing it. And I'm like, so bro, sweet. you are going to do this forever. So don't ever be like embarrassed or anything. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, oh, he's giving me diamond kisses and his friends are waiting for him out there. This might be too hard, but that was yeah. another one of my really favorite things. I love that you remember that story. And he loves you. Like, he loves your book. <laughs> he reads your, um, the boy who He's loves a doll. colors. He loves that. Well, I just think, I mean, there's something special, I think, between especially boys and their moms. And the fact that he will still do that with you is just soak that up as I long know. as you can. <laughs> so you were talking about your healing journey. Would you like to yeah. tell a little bit about that? 
I would actually love to. And just for anyone who is on a healing journey and going towards that, I can say right now that um, my healing, like part of my healing comes from sharing my story as well. So the moment I was asked to come on your podcast, I just said, okay, you're going to do some healing this week. So good job. Congratulations. So thank you. Just that's a really special opportunity for me to share my story. Well, you know, that that's, I asked you for several reasons, Kirsten. One, I absolutely love you. I love your story of how you started doing something with your daughter and that just blossomed. And number two, I knew that your story could reach through the podcast world and touch someone that needed to hear it. So I'll let you tell it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I will start way back when I was a little kid and my story can be kind of sad and tragic, but I want to preface it with the fact that I know that really beautiful things can come out of tragedy and I am living that today. And I hope my hope and my sincere prayer is for anyone that is struggling with something that they can find peace and joy in their life. And whenever I I feel like that's kind of my message that I want to share, I have macarons to share, but the peace and joy that comes from macarons comes is, is part of that. So, right. Um, just a little bit about me. I grew up in a small family in Michigan. I have one brother who is a year younger than me. Um, my mom was remarried when I was really, really young to a man. And, um, right when they got married, I was four years old. He started sexually abusing me. And at that young age, I told my mom about it right away. And she assured me that it would stop and nothing ever stopped. And for seven years, um, every day he was sexually abusing me. And when I was 12, I, had watched an episode on Oprah. I wasn't allowed to watch Oprah in my house, probably because there was some triggering things on Oprah, but Oprah's message was in the 80s about sexual abuse and stuff like that. So I remember watching an Oprah episode and it was specifically about a little boy who was being molested by his stepfather. And it kind of told me that this was wrong and this needs to stop. Other than that, I didn't really think about it. Um, it was a private thing that nobody, nobody knew about. And so at 12 years old, I finally told my mom again, and that was the point that the abuse stopped. Um, she had called authorities and had tried to make a, I don't know if she was, honestly, I don't have a lot of memory of it, but the case went to trial and it was dependent on my testimony. And right before the trial, I was sat down when I was 12 or 13, and I was sat down by some lawyers or advocates, I don't really know, but they told me that if I testify, um, he would go to prison, my, he would lose his job, we would have to leave our town and go live with my grandma. Like they painted a really sad picture of what my life would look like if I testified. And then if I didn't testify, then all I had to say was I wasn't comfortable talking about this and this would go away and he would never touch me again. Um, So that was my trial. And when I went up to testify, um, my mom was sitting on his side and I had a friend that was on my side and I chose not to testify. And we walked out of the courtroom and we never talked about it again. 
And that was pretty much how my life was as a teenager. I was just kind of nothing ever happened again with the sexual abuse. And we just never talked about it again. And I thought that was normal. I thought that was the best way as a teenager. I didn't want anybody to ever know that this had happened to me, let alone in my family with my parents. It was, I wanted to stay with my friends. I just wanted life to be totally normal and nobody to talk about it. And that was really great and good. And like I said, until I had kids and I was trying to connect with my kids in ways that I felt like a mom should connect with their children. And in order to do that, you really have to go back to being a kid, put yourself in that position and say, what does, what did I need from my mom at that time? And as I was trying to do that, these things kept coming up. Like my mom didn't protect me. My mom wasn't there for me. If anybody touched my kids like that, I would have problems for it. She didn't even sit behind me in trial at court. Like all these things started happening. Never mind the fact that I was still in a very normal, I guess, um, appearance-wise relationship with both my mother and her husband, my stepfather, that everybody around us thought everything was normal and great. Mm-hmm. Um, I Like I said, I have one brother and he was never affected by this other than it was his dad and his sister. And when he went on to get married, he never shared this with his wife. And um, the summer of 2017, he had just kind of said to me, oh yeah, I'm sending my kids to my parents, our parents for a few weeks in the summer. Like it was no big deal. And I had I had gone into a panic attack about that, thinking that this is my responsibility. This is, I know the things that could happen. I would never send my children there. And that kind of started me into a whole, like, I need to get my life together. And I really need to deal from this horrible, tragic thing that I have been carrying around for my whole life. So, so Kirsten, how did you find the... Um... I can't think of what it's called, but the place that you went, what what, what was it called? Um, the it the center? Called, it, it's called the Sepria Foundation. And Sepria is an organization that um, provides healing tools for men and women who were sexually abused as children. And um, they have a beautiful, like, estate in the mountains in Utah where um, women older women over 18 who are sexually abused as children, they can go for a week long retreat at this beautiful um, retreat place. And it's completely free for women. They just have to get themselves to Utah. And it's a week long of healing tools. They give you therapy, they give you, you know, exercises, things that you can really use to help give yourself a beautiful life. Sexual abuse, I don't know if you know, but one in four children are sexually abused before the age of 18. And having gone through that in a very normal, um, middle-class, working, when I started telling my story, actually, I went to, I found out about the retreat place from my sister-in-law, my brother's wife. Um, And my brother lives in Utah, so he, she knew about these. So she sent me to that. And um, I haven't talked to my parents since then. After my brother had said, he's going to send his kids. I said, no, I need to tell your wife about this. It was huge drama 
<laughs> which I'm very far past, but that mm -hmm. was one of the hard things to get through. Um, I sent a message to my parents and I said, I need to go through some healing in order to be a good mom, a good wife. These are the things that I need to do. And while I'm doing that, we need to pause our relationship. And I really hope that you do that because when we heal, it will be beautiful for us to come together mm -hmm. or not. Um, no, that you know, was six years ago. You know what I think is, I, I don't believe that there are any coincidences. And I think I your success <clears throat> has, because you're very successful, you have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. You have a thriving macron business. You teach classes. But I think the fact that you are so successful has given you an opportunity to share your story with thousands of people. And I think that that is a phenomenal, amazing thing. Don't you? Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. As I said earlier, when I start this, I have heard in the six years that I've been healing, I have heard hundreds of stories of childhood sexual abuse. And it is never easy. And every story I hear hurts my heart and my soul. And I don't think anybody, anybody should ever have to go through that. But I can say that because I have been on the healing journey, when I share my story, I feel proud of myself and the things that I've gone through. But yes. being able to share that and then have somebody come to me and say, your story inspired me to do something. And now I'm going to go heal, like I'm going to do it. And I would it's a whole extra thing on healing that I never thought, like, not only can I heal myself, but I can literally help other people to heal too. What's more healing than that? Right. You know, <clears throat> my son and, and, and you know, this story and some people listening might know it and some people don't, but my son, um, Caleb, who's 21 and he wouldn't care if I said this, um, because he's doing fantastic now he's in college and he's doing really well. Well, he had, terrible difficulties in school when he was young. He has dyslexia and school was no fun for him. And, and we sent him to a lot of different schools. And so um, I tell people that, that cookies saved my life, which seems kind of melodramatic, but I needed something during that really sad time because my child was sad. And when your child is sad, a lot of times you're sad and that's what happened to me. So I think sometimes people look and they're like, Oh, they just make cookies or they just make macarons, but it, it, it can really having something that you love to do that you can share with others can have such an incredible impact on your heart and soul when you're going through a difficult situation. Don't you think? Oh, I absolutely think. And I, I met you a few years into my healing journey and we met on Instagram and it was right at the time that my following was getting really big. And I started to share my story. I held a fundraiser so that I could raise money for this organization that completely changed my life. And I had to show up daily for that. Like 
I'm going through a healing thing, but guess what? During this healing thing, you have committed yourself to show up for these people and whether I wanted to or not. And I'm not one to say, oh, just brush it aside and we'll deal with it later. Like that happened my whole life and I'm not doing that anymore. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like there's a time to say, okay, Kirsten, you need to put your emotional mess aside right now and show up for these people who need you, just like your kids. Like there are times where you, you don't, take care of yourself in the moment. You've got other people to take care of too. Right. But recharging yourself. For me, it was macarons. For me, it was macarons that I could recharge myself. And then I had something to show up and share in a very beautiful, positive way that maybe I'm not feeling beautiful and positive over here, but there are people that expect me to show up for them positively. And it brings- I, I never thought about that, Kirsten, but it is so true. When I would make a beautiful cookie, it gave me so much joy because I knew that I was giving that cookie or selling that cookie to somebody else and it was going to bring them happiness. So it didn't matter how I was feeling. I was going to get That's up true. and do it. And then you when you see the ha- yeah, when you see the happiness that comes from the recipient, you're like, hey, this is this is a pretty good thing. <laughs> so talking about your business and the success of your business, I know that when you started out, you you just wanted to learn how to make macarons. And then you can you continued to hone your craft, started to sell macarons. Then you yeah. started to teach macarons. So tell us about the classes that you teach in New York City, because I think that that is pretty cool. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty cool, too. And when the <laughs> pandemic happened, um, I was just sharing videos. And I was spending so much time telling people what the video was about and what I was doing and how you do it and blah, 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 what products I use. That I, that's when I decided to start teaching. I felt like I have enough skills that I could share this with other people. So I was teaching on Zoom, like I said, during COVID, but I was teaching once a week, 50 to 100 students every week. And I thought, what's bigger than that? Like, what's more cool than that? Teaching in New York City. Like, if I was yeah. going to teach anywhere in the world, it would be either Paris or New York City. <laughs> Well, I just so happen to have one of the brands that I work with. They have a store in downtown Manhattan. And randomly, I'm like, hey, would you? And they have a kitchen, a classroom. Would you Would you open up your classroom for me to come teach in New York City? And they said, yes. And so I just thought, well, I am just going to go do this. I mean, nobody is giving me permission or telling me not to or writing the rules, you know, like, Nobody's giving you the guy the rules of what to do. You just got to go and do it. So I um, I taught in New York City two years in a row. The second year I taught in New York City, I brought my mentor and my teacher from Brazil to New York. And then her and I taught. And we had bakers from all around the world coming to take our classes. And then we had little like evening events in New York City where we took bakers to Brooklyn and we just sprinkled Brooklyn and we did what else just <laughs> dinners and parties it was so much fun it was so you fun. know what I love <clears throat> so this podcast is about dreamers turned doers right and I love <laughs> the fact that you said you know what what would be bigger than what I'm doing now teaching in New York or teaching in Paris so I'm just gonna make a phone call I'm just gonna call and I'm gonna ask because how many people have that idea 
but they just don't do something about it. You just got to put yeah. one step in front of the other and, and love, put yourself out there. I love that you're doing this podcast because it was a long time for me to really realize that there's not a rule. Like right. nobody's telling me what to do. And Kirsten does not fit in a mold. So if you were to put a mold in front of me and say, this is yours, go in it. That would not work for me. I'm a creator. I'm a creative person. I'm always coming up with ideas. If I come up with an idea, I'm usually coming up with the ways why I can't do it and then say, nope, you can. Nope, you can. Nobody's telling you not to. Go do it. I think that that is uh, that as entrepreneurs, we have the anything is possible spirit, right? We have the anything is possible gene. And I think that's important. You just got to think, what could I maybe do? And you have to try it. I think that that is a foundation of an entrepreneur, don't you? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we could do it without the ideas in our head. You know? Now, do you have a particularly funny or um, memorable moment that happened to you when you were in New York City? When I was in New York City, well, I mean, New York City is wild and there is a lot of everything going on. It's pretty crazy. Um a particular story. I don't know. It was really fun for me because this had never been done before bringing bakers together in New York city. Like I was looking for something that I could say, okay, this is a reasonable price. These are reasonable expectations. There was nothing like that. So is that right? that's, what, that's when I'm like, well, we'll just do what I think and we'll see how it goes. So, um, different people who I had never met before were all starting to show up. And we had this kitchen in, um, it was the NY cake store and there's a classroom kitchen right in the middle. And then the store kind of is around the outside. So it's great because if you're just shopping, you can see all the exciting things going in the kitchen. Well, that's but neat. I had brought in some people that I had never met before, but we knew on Instagram and I'm like, okay, this is your job. This is your job. This is your job. And so we're all in this kitchen doing our thing. And I had a follower that wasn't coming, but was from New York city that came all the way to the class. Like, she's like, Oh, I work 32 blocks up this way. I had to come and see you. And I was like mid macaroni macaron batching and tons of people doing a million different things. And I had to stop in the middle of making macarons because I really felt like I needed to address this fan that had come, this follower. <laughs> and while I was talking, my macarons completely disappeared. I don't know ever what happened to them, but it was kind of a mess. But I don't know if that's a great story or not, but I just have. Like, it is. It's like you're a rock star. You know, you got to stop what you're doing to, to greet I your totally fans. Did. I've never <laughs> felt like that before, but I'm like, okay, if you're going to be a rock star, you have to figure out how to like do more than one thing at a time. No, I know sometimes work. that's easy. Sometimes it's not. Those are exactly. one of those skills that you learn. I think as you become a mother and the older your kids become, oh. the more you can do the multitasking. <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay. So yeah. that, that's a, that's a good segue into the next question, which is how do you balance your personal life and your business? Because your kids, I mean, are still fairly young and you have a very thriving yeah. business. Yeah. So I have my Nora 16 and then my youngest is 11. So they're at the age where they don't need mom to like be there for them all the time physically, 
but like emotionally is where I'm feeling like, okay, teenagers, yep, they really need their moms. Um, And balance is not a word I ever use because I feel like it's never balanced. It's just I'm putting more attention on one thing than the other at any given time. And if I balanced it, then they would all be suffering almost in a way, right? Yeah, right. I am actually a time blocker. I don't know if you know about time blocking, but you take your day and you section it off into time. So this time I'm working, this time I'm mommy, this time I'm wifing. And it kind of has worked for me where I don't have to think about my kids at the moment because I'm in my studio doing work things. So I've blocked out this time. So Mm -hmm. I have time later blocked out that I'm going to spend with each of my kids individually so that I can make sure that they're caught up. Um, Balance. I like the if you time know blocking. the magic medium between balance. Let me know because no, I don't. Like, I try. I try <laughs> balancing, and then this one over here sucks, and they both suck. So I just yeah. Like, no, I kind of do the time blocking too. I mean, there's days that I don't work at all, and I do stuff for the for my kids. Now my kids are older, so they don't need as much. I'm not real good about balance either. Some days I work yeah. more. Some days I do more family yeah. stuff, and it all seems to work out. Um, so can you tell us, uh, and I know one of the answers to these questions, but can you tell us of any exciting plans for Nora's macarons in the future? Oh my goodness. Nora's macarons is, has done a lot of things in the past six years. And I'm almost at a point now where I'm like, what's next? What's next? Like the New York city teaching in New York city, Paris is obviously the next one, but it's not on the books. It's not scheduled. Hopefully someday. Um, I might be working on a little project podcast of my own. That I feel super excited to talk to you about because you are such a great talker and you do really good at like, getting the conversation going. Now here, let me tell you this before you get started. When I was really little, I would actually get in trouble for not talking to people. My parents would go to take me to church and they would say, I would get home and they would say, you didn't, such and such was trying to talk to you and you didn't talk back. And what really got, and I was very, I was pretty quiet. But when I went away to college, I knew no one. And I decided I could either be happy or I could be miserable. And in order to be happy, I needed to make friends. And that required me to talk to people. Talking to people. I know. And so my mouth was opened and it hasn't closed since. <laughs> and look how happy you are. Like That's I true. Don't, I really think you're one of the happiest people I know. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So tell us more about the podcast. Um. Well, it's only a few episodes. We, I think we've recorded two episodes. I'm doing it with a friend of mine who is actually a life coach and um, she's in Orlando and she's not a baker, but she is a very deep thinker and has a lot of experience. Um, I've known her for 30 years, 20 yeah. years, something like that. That's so, neat. Yeah, so I'm excited. We're not we're we're still in the recording phase. I think August is when we're launching it for sure, but I haven't put a date on it at all. Well, that's so exciting. I'm excited about that. Um, I'm also working on um, I have not put it out there, but I'm also working on some more teaching things. Uh huh. And that's going to be coming up in the fall as well. Well, good. So, 
If, if it's anything with macarons, you can bet that I'm all about it. I'm very excited. You're a good teacher because I'm one of those cookie makers who thought, oh, I can make macarons. <laughs> I've made cakes. I've made, I mean, if it's edible and it's art, I've tried it. So I thought macarons will be inter- will be easy and they are not easy. <laughs> but no. I took a class from you and I was successful. Do you have I some of my it. lollipops there? <laughs> These I wonder are, if those are, are still good. Bourbon? Oh, they yeah, are. They're so good. I love these. I pack I mean, them up every time I have some people come and uh, get orders, but I love them. They're really good. See, you I are made quite a talented baker. Thank you. I would think that I could make macarons, but but you, I was successful when I took your class. So Thank that's you. saying well, something because they're hard, <laughs> or I thought they were hard because maybe because I thought they were going to be easy. <laughs> I know, I know. They're not easy, but I feel like I have a really, like, I like to teach in a fun way. I don't like, like, so many people either they're going to be easy or they're going to be so hard I don't want to touch it. And I like to do it in a way that is relaxing, calming, make it look really, Mr. Rogers is kind of my inspiration. And the way Mr. Rogers works is he just slows down the process and everything is more simple. I think sometimes when we're trying to learn something new, we just want to know, just give me all the information so I can know it and then go and do it. Right. Macarons don't like that. That's not how macarons work. They like you to really enjoy the process of it. Yes, that's good. And I go through life very, very fast. So I'm one of those people that wants to, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. So that's probably why I wasn't successful in my pre-Kirsten macaron journey. (laughs) Well, I'm glad I could help you slow it down. (laughs) (laughs) So finally, what message or words of encouragement would you give to someone who's thinking about maybe starting their own macaron business? Or journey, well, not even a business, just want to learn to make macarons to share with their friends, spread the happiness. Well, I will tell you a few things about macarons. First of all, like we've talked about how difficult they are. To me, that means if it's more difficult, then less people are doing it. And if less people are doing something, then you become more valuable. Is that right? Yes. So I have thought that anyone who decides to make macarons is going to be very valuable in their community because I think there's probably more cookie decorators than there are macaron bakers. And yes. you're you're filling you're um, taking up space that is not it's harder space to take up. So yes, jump in, take it in like you're doing the hardest thing, and you are going to saturate your market with it because that is where you find a sweet spot. Like the skills that you develop over and over and over again are what you charge your customers for. I think that macarons can be a really um, beneficial price wise because the ingredients are expensive, but the skills and to go buy macarons, they're so expensive to buy because we have worked so hard on developing our skills. So so I think if you're thinking of starting a macaron business, like you buckle in, make it like your obsession. I haven't done anything else. Like, to have a whole studio just for macarons, I didn't think it was possible, but I no cakes, no cookies, nothing else. And I just love it. So now we're going to do a speed round. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to ask you some random questions. Okay. I love a speed round. <laughs> okay. Who was your teenage crush? Um, Doogie Hauser, Dr. Doogie. 
You're quite a bit younger than me. I can tell by the answer to that question. <laughs> Who was your crush as a teenager? Donnie Osmond. Oh, Donnie Osmond. That was my mom's crush. That was like um, <laughs> puppy love. Yes, Deep, country. Deep Purple Falls. That was my song. I had a poster I, on my wall of him. Oh, my gosh. I Love saw me. Donnie and Marie in Vegas a few years ago before they quit their residency, but he's still quite a cutie, that Donnie Osmond. He he is, and he <laughs> is, and he was my cr- I had multiple crushes, but he was definitely one of them. Okay. Do you have Speed a favorite cookbook? <laughs> Do you have a favorite cookbook? Do you have any macaron books that you would like to recommend to people I, or baking books? I have a couple macaron books. Hold on one second. Three books that I recommend. One of them is Macaron School by Camilla from Pies and Tacos. If you know, what her, a pretty book! It's a beautiful book. It's filled with beautiful photography and mm. so many really delicious recipes for fillings. Um, Camilla makes Swiss macarons. I make Italian macarons, but the fillings can be interchangeable, and she has a That's lot of beautiful. Really good fillings. And, you know, macarons are so photogenic and just colorful and pretty. It just makes things so much prettier. Anyways, Macarons, Cupcakes, and Cake Pops is another book that has just some fun um, filling recipes, macaron recipes, plus other stuff as well. Okay. And then this isn't a cookbook, but it's a business book, and I think everybody should read it. It's called Dream First, Details Later. It's by Ellen Bennett. And it's basically how to quit overthinking and make it happen. And it's a way to like, okay, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Well, why aren't you doing it? Like, just get up and do it. So this would be a good, you should interview her too. She'd be amazing. I should. I mean, that's perfect for this podcast. That's exactly what we're talking about. (laughs) It really is. So So if you, if you could make macarons for anyone, who would it be? Harry Styles. Oh, (laughs) Me too. Personally deliver him, hang out with him for a little while. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, is, if I was a teenager now, he would be my teenage crush. But <laughs> he he is a cutie. And I love his style. I mean, he just his his last name is perfect, oh, right? Styles. Because you never know what he's gonna wear. No, no. <laughs> he's got so much style. And, you know, talking about style, my last question or comment is something that you said to me the other day that I thought was so fun because you said that you picked one item to bring you a lot of happiness. And for you, that was the rainbow. And Mm -hmm. so you surround yourself with that. And you can tell Mm -hmm. just looking at your background, all Mm -hmm. of your aprons and all the color. See, I just love that. I mean, that's the best. (laughs) But I think that that is good advice for people because for me, it's flowers. You can tell I've got pictures of flowers Uh all Uh all over my house. There's there's Uh pictures of flowers. There's plates with flowers. There's real flowers because that just brings me a lot of joy. Well, can I just share, like, as I was trying to heal and if you... If you have trauma in your life, you have to, you get to a point where you're like, okay, I am accepting that this is the cross I'm going to bear for the rest of my life. Like you have to kind of submit to that. Like I can't go back and undo all the terrible things that happened to me. I can't let that go. But what I can do is I can be in charge of today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And I noticed that when I would see rainbows, 
for a second, even if it was a split second, I would feel a little bit of peace and just a little mm -hmm. bit of comfort. And I said, if I put rainbows in every site of my world, I can at least feel a little bit of peaceful. And I, it's at a point now where I have rainbows streaming in naturally. <laughs> There's no way a rainbow should be coming through at that angle. And it's like, they're just everywhere. And I feel like that has been something that little bits, like sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm so like poor me, blah, blah, blah. I just need this to be fixed and to go away. And little things that you have control over can make such a huge difference. And maybe not right now, and maybe not in five minutes, but the little things that you do over time collectively can really give you some relief. And then hold on to that because that will help you in the next time, you know? Yes, I love that. Oh, I'm so, thank you for coming on and talking to me. I yeah. love talking you to you. Kidding? I love your story. Um, in the show so notes, I'll make sure to put the information about the the place that you went to start your healing oh, journey because I know that that's you. a very important place place to you, and I think could be a great resource for others. And it we'll is, put it your is a great resource. I want to just say they have. I have. Um, raised money for them. They have honored me in ways for doing that. They have like really taken me in as part of the family, Sapria. And when I walked into Sapria the first time, um, somebody told me, you're so brave. And when they said that, I thought, this is the first time I actually feel like I'm brave. And I hear that a lot. And just knowing that you're making steps to do something hard and then taking in how brave you are, like, that yes. was something that I just feel like is really important and survivors need to know how brave they are. Right. That's right. So That's you want to tell people where to find you? And of course we'll put this in the show notes, but all the places. <laughs> okay. I think let's see, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. You can all find me um, also at norasmacarons.com. You can find all of my upcoming classes and private classes. Um, also the brands that I support and work with. Um, and then look for a podcast sometime in the fall, late summer. Sounds good. And, and, well, and be ready to come on and be interviewed for mine because I'll need you. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> well, thank you for this. I, I really love you, Kirsten. I am proud thank of you. You, you are brave and you are Aww, an inspiration to so many people. Mm. So we'll say well, you're bye -bye. beautiful and so sweet. And thank you so much. I'll do it anytime. Okay. Coded dreams for life. <laughs> bye. Bye. Bye.